Hello, and welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about the Winter Olympics for the rest of us. <laughs> Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming that all of you know everything there is to know about the K-point and proper landing position. I'm Rachel. Normally I would be your baseball guru, but today I am going to grill Rebecca on the specifics of Nordic Combined. Hopefully, hopefully we don't get too specific. <laughs> Just vaguely specific. Okay, so uh, start us off by telling us, uh, what are they combining? <laughs> so, so we're talking about Nordic Combined here, which apparently is an event that has been in the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, since it started in 1924. Mm-hmm. Um, the New York Times says that Nordic events are specifically defined as ones where the athlete's heels are not attached to the skis. But then oh, I was reading another site that talked about how in the ski jumping, the heels are not connected, but in cross country, they are. So I don't know anymore. <laughs> From what I remember of cross country, like some of the different types of skis, they were and some they weren't. Like, remember the, yeah. the like yeah. skate style versus the... Mm-hmm. It could be. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, technically, even in ski jumping, they're connected. It's just not a flat connection. There's like right. a pin that connects the boot to the ski so that you can't like fly off it right it's not Um, gonna like wave around right right so anyway um, maybe that that was the distinction early on but equipment has changed over time yeah it could be um so nordic combined is the combination of ski jumping and cross-country skiing Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of this actually reminded me about what we talked about with the climbing events in the Summer Olympics, with the speed climbing being mixed in with bouldering and lead climbing, because oh, they're right, such right, right. very different disciplines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it does seem like ski jumping and cross country don't have, I mean, other than what is strapped to your feet. Right. And the, the general not shape Not a lot of, of overlap. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the New York Times quotes Alan Ashley, who was the director of sport performance for the U.S. Olympic Committee, as saying, Nordic combined is such a funky sport, it takes a really long time to, first of all, develop the skills and the physical capability in both of these disciplines, and then to figure out how to balance the two. And, like, I kind of imagine, you know, how much time it takes to train for one sport Mm -hmm. and then toss just tossing another sport in there. And one that's not like you can't do it on the same surface. Yeah, I kind of like this idea of two, but like, I want to see even more apples <laughs> to oranges combinations here. I want gymnastics Take your luge and, run and then do your equestrian. Uh... <laughs> yes, luge ice dance. Yeah, exactly. That would be fun. It'd be a whole new group of athletes because, you know, the ones that are great at one might yeah. not necessarily be great at the other. Yeah. Well, and and you could be great at one, but you're still not going to medal in that in that combined event if mm-hmm. you suck at the other one. Right. Mm-hmm. So it might be better to be mediocre at both. Right. <laughs> well, me- mediocre. Like, I know, in mediocre. The sense of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> relative to Olympic athleticism. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so it's it's ski jumping and cross country skiing. There are three events, um, two individual events and one team event. Um, uh, how much do you care about knowing about the equipment involved in both of these things? <laughs> Give us the TLDR version. Yeah. Okay. So essentially, they're the same but different. <laughs> so you have skis, you have boots, you have bindings, 
you have the suit and you have a helmet, right? Um, the cross-country skis are longer. Um, the length of jumping skis depend on the jumper's height. Um, boots uh, for cross-country or ordinary skating boots for jumping, they're specifically designed to be much more flexible, um, I guess, because of the placement, like the way you have to mm. move your, your ankles and your body. Um, the bindings, they in both of them, they fix the athlete's toes to the toes of the boots to the skis. Um, there's a whole like formula about where that placement has to be on the length of the ski that I'm not going to get into. There's a whole lot of math involved in this. <laughs> not um, a math podcast, famously. Famously so, not a math podcast. Yeah. Um, they... So this brings up a question I have, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. So how, like, how combined are these events? Is this sure. like... Great question. It's so not like, It's not you jump off the hill and then immediately get onto okay. the track. <laughs> All right. Thank you. That's I, I did actually have to look that up because I was curious about that too. Like, is it really you just, you, you do the jump and right. then you take a little jaunt right. over to the cross country <laughs> lap thing? That's right. what we see in like triathlons and stuff, right. right? Like you peel yourself out of your wetsuit and you immediately jump on your bike and, right. you know, or like whatever. So no, in this case... Um, they use the ski jump to determine the start order for the cross-country race. Oh, interesting. So ski jump happens first. And then I, I don't actually know how separate they are. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if they're separated by a day or by or like the length hour. of time it takes to finish the ski jump. Right. But the cross-country is a staggered start. So they they have to at least finish the ski jump before they can start the cross-country. So if you're not as good a cross-country skier, you want to get real good at that ski jumping. Yes, because they start the cross-country in best-to-worst order based on Mm -hmm. the ski jump. Interesting. Yeah. Um, So, But I would assume that the, you know, it's still done by time, the cross-country. Yes. Okay. Well... And there's the ski jump, your score in ski jump actually gets converted to a time. Oh, interesting. So again, math is involved. We're not getting into that. (laughs) Um, I was wondering then, yeah, how do they score that in some manner that is a combined score? Yeah, yeah. Um, So it is best time overall wins. Um, so, So if you're a good ski jumper, not only are you getting a better start position for the cross-country course, but you're also getting a shorter amount of time added onto your cross-country time. Correct. Yeah. Um, So you have the individual normal hill plus a 10K, the individual large hill plus a 10K. Um, In both of the individual events, each skier gets two jumps, um, and then you get scored based on your best jump. Um, And then they, they use that to put you in order for the next one. Um, the scores for this, um, I think we talked about this, uh, in the, um, purely ski jumping episode, but I'm going to go through it again. Um, so there are five judges who judge the jumps, the ski jumps Mm. on a 20 point system. The highest and lowest of those scores are eliminated. So the middle three remain and are added up together. So your score is based on the flying stage and the landing. And there is a like explicitly 
described stance you are to take when landing. You should be landing with one foot slightly ahead of the other, knees bent, skis totally parallel, and hands out. And if you land in a different position, you can lose points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like on your face, probably discouraged. <laughs> <laughs> For multiple reasons. But like, even if you land like with your feet together, right, you would lose points, which I find fascinating. And I didn't, I didn't do a deep dive into like why that is, but yeah. clearly there's some like optimal landing technique shenanigans well, going on here. Get, I feel like Rachel said there was a safety component to it, that this Probably. is like considered to be the, the safest landing position, yeah. and so that's what they... Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that, but then I couldn't remember if I just made that up right now, or... we. Well, if you did, I pulled before. it out of your brain, so... <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Hopefully they wouldn't be requiring you to land in an unsafe position, but, right. you know, we've had men leading these things for a long time, so who knows? <laughs> Wait, did I say that Um, So then with the team event, you have four teammates. Uh, The team event only uses the large hill, not the normal hill. Um, And so the four teammates each take a jump from the large hill, and then they do a four by 5K cross-country relay. So Mm -hmm. they each have to do a 5K, one -hmm. after the other. I don't. I didn't get into how they score the the jumps for the team event, but I've got to imagine. You know, of course, it's going to be based on the same criteria, but I don't know if they add them all together, if they average them, or what. So I wanted to talk again about the normal hill versus the large hill because I know Rachel did cover this, but mm-hmm. it has already left my brain um, <laughs> with all of the stuff we've talked about for the Olympics. Like, these distinctions between, like, normal and large, those two words are essentially meaningless to me, in this context, at least. Um, So, olympstats.com says there's not really a fixed definition for normal and large hill. The lengths of them have gotten longer over time. They tend to be Hmm. more of a range. Um, But generally speaking, for the Olympics... um, Oh, I'm sorry. So they're they're also typically defined by the K point, which is the average spot on the hill where the jumpers are expected to land. Mm-hmm. So for the normal hill, the K point is usually roughly about 90 meters. And on the large hill, the K point is usually roughly about 120 meters. Um, but it can also be measured by the hill size from the L point or the norm point, which measures the distance to the P point. So, I mean, honestly, it seems to me like it's a game where nothing matters and everything is made up. So, cast um, ball on skis. Do all have liberal arts degrees? It's true. It's true. I am a social scientist. Um, I'm not a scientist. Um, now, the the thing that's really frustrating about this is this is the last event in the Olympics in which women cannot compete. There is what? no women's version of the Nordic combined. You know, That's I was bullshit. about to ask because a lot of it was large hill and women don't yeah. compete even do in the, the, the only ski jump and they only do the normal hill. Ugh, yeah. Gross. So the IOC says they need to develop a more competitive scene in the sport for women. But there have been plenty of international events for Nordic combined that include women. Um, there apparently was conversation about adding women's events to the Nordic combined in 2018 or before 2018, 
but they like stopped having those conversations in 2018. Cute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, women were only allowed to start competing in ski jumping in 2014, so. Yeah, there's a whole lot of sports in the Winter Olympics where it seems like, particularly in the Winter Olympics, I don't remember this as much from the summer ones, but where like women have been added in like the last decade to 20 years. Mm. It's just. Yeah. It's I just... mean, I'm glad we're getting added, but like it's so. But come on. Being like, oh, 2014. Like, right? Excuse yeah, me. That was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, except that 2014 was eight years ago. <laughs> well, the last two years was. don't count. It was only six years ago. It's true. It's true. The last two years don't count. Yeah. Time is um, meaningless. We've decided this. It's true. Um, so that's what I have for you on Nordic Combined. Okay. I like it. Short, yeah. sweet, to the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well, Rebecca, why don't you tell the people where they can find us if they want to learn more? Yes, we are most frequently on on uh, the Twitter, which is at FoulPuckPod. We're also on Instagram at FoulPuckPodcast, and our website is FoulPuckPodcast.net. All right, and I would like to thank Joe for doing our editing, and uh, Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for our music. And I would like to encourage everybody who is listening to these minisodes to give us a rate and review on the podcast listening app of your choice, uh, especially if it's iTunes or the Apple Store, because uh, that's real good for us. And to go retweet our tweets and listen to the rest of our episodes, because we're having a good time with all these Winter Olympic sports, except that's for this really one, because it's misogynist, apparently. But the rest of them have been great. <laughs> so <laughs> check out those episodes and tell your friends. All right, and we'll catch you next time.